excuses can be very appealing because when you're deciding not to do something that you know has value and importance, you're allowing yourself to buy into a story that keeps you in your comfort zones. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. All right, Pam, 2021, here we are. A lot of themes from 2020, self-awareness, process, resilience, lots of things went on. What I'm curious about right now, though, is what are we truly bringing from 2020 into 21 that will have an impact on our performance? I think we can look back at 2020 a couple of different ways. To me, resilience is a word that that sticks out in what you just said. The relationship that we had in 2020 with resilience was tested. A lot of us figured out where we had strengths associated with resilience and where we had real weaknesses when it comes to resilience. How much of it we really have and our ability to to tap into our level of resilience. In our final episode for 2020, we talked about this concept of A player versus B player versus C player. Can you share a little bit on what you saw happen in 2020 between how an A player responded, how the B player responded versus how the C player reacted? And let's be clear, Dan, there are definitely elements of A, B, and C player in all of us, but really understanding, am I an A player, am I a B player, or am I a C player, became clear in 2020. What I loved about the A players is very quickly, very quickly, they stopped making excuses. One or two was verbalized, and then it was, nope, no more. I can't change the circumstances. I can't change the hand I've been dealt. But what I can change is what I'm going to do about it. So very quickly, they stop making any excuse. They stop that talk track. B players tried to figure out a way to stay within their comfort zone as long as possible. Some of them still are. Here we are almost a year later, and I still have conversations with sales professionals, and they're still trying to figure out ways to operate within their comfort zones. C players are using the excuses as a new reality. And I think that's probably the most alarming reaction is to hear people tell me, I can no longer be successful unless certain conditions exist. And so now they are taking on this mentality that, hey, it's not me. This is not my fault. I can't be successful anymore. This is the situation. And there's a huge disconnect between your word reacting to the environment versus my response to the environment. I came across this over the break. 
and I'll, I'll read it to you. It says, the distance between where you are today and where you want to be can be measured by the number of excuses that you give. And that kind of stuck with me. Excuses do two things. They help us maintain this false sense of control. And then number two, they help us support or they boost our self-esteem. When we say we can't prospect because of X, Y, or Z, it lets us stay within our comfort zone. We don't have to do anything different because we just bought into the story that we can't prospect because either X, Y, or Z. And then secondly, I can walk away from that little conversation with myself, still feeling good about myself because I gave a specific reason why I couldn't prospect that was external to me. I relinquished responsibility, but I still feel good about it because my self-esteem is still intact. And the other thing that came with that excuse is not only trying to relinquish responsibility, but I found that the B and C players spent a lot of time trying to gain support for their excuses. And the amount of conversations and time and energy spent on validating my excuses was a, a little bit of a surprise, to me at least. That's spot on. Here's the dangerous thing about excuses. They build upon one another. So the better that you get at giving excuses and the more you buy into it, the stronger you're going to get and that will become your default mechanism. One excuse leads to another excuse leads to another excuse because they keep you within your comfort zones. So Pam, can you give us a couple examples to our listeners about some of the excuses that yeah. were very common? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my own excuse that I created very early on. And I don't even know if you'll remember this, Dan, but on probably week two of the lockdown, I started convincing myself that there was no way I was going to be effective virtually with the type of coaching that we do. And so what did I do? I sought out people who would agree with me on that, asked them a ton of leading questions to gain their buy-in that, yes, Pam, you are right, virtual coaching isn't going to be near as effective as live. And then I will never forget it. It was the last week in March. I came marching into your office and I said, Dan, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've talked to many people and they agree with me when I tell you that coaching virtually isn't going to be nearly as effective as if I can't be out there live. And do you remember what you said to me? No, I do not. <laughs> you looked right at me and said, number one, how much time and energy have you spent trying to figure out something you can no longer control? And number two, what's your alternative? And immediately I stopped. Now, fortunately, I stopped. When we say, though, excuses building and becoming a muscle, again, almost 12 months later, I'm still hearing examples of my peers agree with me, cold outreach isn't effective right now. The people in my small group are also supporting my conclusions around this. Think of the energy that you're investing in seeking out people who have the same opinion. And when you seek out people who have the same opinion, the payoff is you're back in your comfort zone. You feel good because 
you feel like outreach can't occur at this point in time based on the environment, and you just sought people who feel and think the same way. So now you have the comfort of saying to yourself, now is not the time, or it just doesn't work at the level it should work, or it's not worth the investment. So you've just spent the energy limiting yourself by gaining the opinion of others who happen to feel and think the same way. And what I loved about your example was you were self-aware enough to know that you were asking the leading questions to get the answer that you wanted. Now, what we're starting to see moving into 21 is I understand I make excuses. I think a lot of us try to minimize our talk track and we'll say things like, it's not an excuse, Pam, it's reality. So I think we're understanding that maybe our talk track was more excuse driven than it was a reality. And so now in 2021, I'm seeing a lot of folks who want to understand how to eliminate excuses from holding them back. Pam, we're in January and there might be many who don't realize that they've brought this cadence or this routine of excuses into this new year. And what they're doing is, hey, I'll start in February, or I'll start slow, or let me finish up working with all my current clients and making sure I take care of them first, then I'll get to my prospecting. And in the short term, that excuse feels good. The problem is I think everybody's forgetting what that creates in the long term. Because when you look at giving excuses now, buying into them, and then you figure out that, wait a minute, I'm not doing what I need to do to put people in my pipeline, that has an impact three and six and nine months from now. 100%. What I keep going back to, those folks who continue to work process, continue to hold themselves accountable throughout this pandemic, they have been successfully able to sell new business. So I always try to take this approach too of, okay, so we've talked about the excuses and how they're limiting us and how people aren't making decisions right now. They don't want to take conversations with new companies, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of people who are selling and sold in 2020. And you can now take two people within the same organization and say, so why has Jane Doe had an immense amount of success in 2020? Why has John Doe not had success in 2020? Because the playing field, our organization is the same. They're not in two different organizations. They're in the same organization. So why did one person end up having success in 2020 and one did not? And boy, oh boy, Dan, you can go all the way back to process. I have another P word instead of process, perspective. Jane's perspective is very different. Jane's perspective is more of, that may not work. Let me see what else might work. I don't have an alternative. I still want to keep the ball moving. I'm going to figure this out. I might have to change my behavior, change a routine. I might have to add a skill, but I'm going to figure this out. The other person's perspective was limited by their comfort zones. And what I found is a key thing with this is, in your example, Jane was willing to make mistakes. 
different relationship with failure. Exactly. Well, I have to. I have to. Otherwise, next time adversity comes my way, it's going to hold me back just as much as it did last time. And there's two aspects I look at from the Jane's perspective. Number one, Jane had a very different relationship with failure. She was okay saying things like, you know what, I might have to try a different way to humanize myself in 2020 because I can't be with people. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I might try doing videos. I might try to experiment with some different things to make myself a little bit more real to people. Probably have to spend some time on my messaging. Probably going to fall down there a few times. That's okay. I'll work through it. But then the other piece of Jane that was in existence that John did not have is Jane continued to work a process even in years where she didn't quote unquote have to because the result was there. And so Jane coming into 2020 already had been having plenty of conversations with folks because she never let her foot off the gas with her process. And so now not only has she not ridden the ups and downs of not having a process, so she has plenty of people who've already been engaged with her in 2020. And now she's willing to take some risks in order to ensure that her process works in the environment that she's in. There's two real things at play there, that relationship with failure. And can I look back years prior and truly say I ran a process? Excuses can be very appealing because when you're deciding not to do something that you know has value and importance, you're allowing yourself to buy into a story that keeps you in your comfort zones. The reason why we wanted to talk about excuses today, and the reason why it's so important is because they will hold you back. They're self-limiting. 2020 was unique. Let's not call it bad. Let's not call it good. It's unique. And because it was unique, there's a chance that you may have created these new routines and habits of giving excuses when you felt pushed or when you felt uncertain or threatened by the situation and the environment. I know when I'm given an excuse because I'll feel a sense of disappointment or I'll feel some insecurity or inadequacy. And when I feel it, I will look to articulate and give an excuse because I don't want to feel inadequate. I don't want to feel frustrated or defensive. I want to feel good. I want to feel adequate. And so I'm now in the mode of managing the other person's or the situation, the impression of it. When I give an excuse, it's because I'm trying to manage the impression maybe somebody else has for me. And I know I'm doing it because of the feeling I get. What happens to you? So I tend to do a really good job of rationalizing and justifying maybe why that initial goal just didn't make sense. And I will find every reason why it was just a silly goal as a way to rationalize and justify the excuses that I'm making. Let's talk now about how do you start slowing this process down? One of the first ways to slow this process down, and this is the one that works for me all the time because my personality is I want to have it all done. I constantly have urgency around what I'm doing, too much in fact. I always feel like I'm playing from behind, like we should already have 
X, Y, and Z established. We should already have A, B, and C in our business. So I'm constantly feeling like I'm playing catch up. And what I realize is I will give excuses of why we're not where we want to be or I want us to be because I spend so much time comparing myself to others and where they are versus where I am because I'm competitive. And when I start getting to that comparison game, that's when I start to really buy into or practice that habit of giving excuses. And I need to learn how to stop doing that. There's no reason to compare. It's all part of the process. But that's one big learning for me is stop comparing myself. I like that. Well, then that goes into stop blaming people too. I I know that's what I tend to do is I, I will maybe blame others as to why that becomes a real thing for me with excuses is I just find things to blame that have absolutely nothing to do with me. But at the end of the day, I'm playing the blame game. And I think that is a wild, wild uh, reason that we tend to make excuses is the blame game. I can't help it. I can't get on a plane. It's not my fault. I can't do that. It's not my fault. They won't let me in for a live visit. It's not my fault. The gym closed. It's not my fault. How am I supposed to train outside if the if if it's snowing outside? Like I find myself playing the blame game a lot. So stop blaming is another one, I think. Stop comparing and stop blaming. For me, there's always that one question that I always ask myself, and I ask you it as well. What's my alternative? I will always ask myself in, in times where I catch myself giving an excuse, relinquishing ownership, I'll say, okay, what's my alternative here? And that usually stops me right there and then. Because my alternative is usually, well, there is no alternative unless that goal is not important, unless achieving or experiencing that no longer matters, but it does matter. So I don't have an alternative. So for me, it does go back to that. I need to change my relationship with failure. And this goes back to mindset. I have to be okay taking risks. And it doesn't define me as a person. If I try something and I fail at it, so what? Big deal. So for me, one of the things I continue to try to evolve, and it really does help me eliminate excuses, is my relationship with failure. I'm okay with it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to do things differently. If I fall down, I fall down. And what I do every day, I get very caught up in taking a chance with a session, throwing something out there to try to get a little bit of, of a different way of absorbing some of our concepts. And past Pam would already, okay, well, if this doesn't go well, we just wasted an hour. So should I do that? Not anymore. So you know what? If it fails, it fails. I'll know. I'll know. I don't have to, don't have to worry about it again. Or it might turn out to open up a path for me to elevate my coaching even more. So for me, to help with those excuses, that fourth reason is change your relationship with failure. Embrace failure. I think the next one we've talked about in terms of how do you slow down the excuse train? How do you minimize this habit and get out of the habit? And that is surround yourself with people who don't give excuses. Yes. It's my favorite one. We all know how easy it is and how good it feels. When you come up with an excuse that makes you feel better, and then you go seek advice and counsel from others, and they have the same opinion, thought, 
as you do. It makes the excuse so much better and you can live with it. But the reality is you got to go find people who will be objective with you that will give you the kind truth or will call you out. Surround yourself with some of those people. They're not there to be assholes. They're there to make sure that you're being objective in your perspective and your decision making. So to me, what you're verbalizing is accountability. And it's funny, you see examples of great accountability and great accountability means that person, Dan Lappin, didn't allow my excuses to get in the way. He held me accountable regardless. And so one of the things we work on a ton with clients is understand what an effective accountability relationship looks like. And it's not the person when you walk in for that accountability meeting who says, I don't even want to hear it, Dan, I've had a long week. A lot of things didn't go as planned this week. I'm just here to tell you I didn't get my stuff done. And then Dan says, good, I didn't either. Let's just take a pass at this week, okay? Doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But you have to identify the proper accountability partner. And that takes some work. You know, the last one, Pam, in terms of helping people get out of the excuse routine is motivation. The more motivated we are, the less likely we are to buy into an excuse. The less motivated we are, the more likely we are to spend our time and energy crafting them and buying into them. So what's a good way for our listeners to start tapping into a little bit more motivation and clarity on that motivation on a daily and weekly basis? That's the wise. And the sentence I always say is, you know, money doesn't motivate anybody. It's what the money allows you to create. It's what it allows you to do. It's what it allows you to experience. And that's what we have to tap into. Because if I've identified all the things I'm looking to achieve from a, an experience standpoint, what can I give to my family? What can I create? What can I, what can I do? What can I experience, see, feel? I absolutely will begin to eliminate those excuses. But most people don't have clarity on those whys. They don't understand them. They don't pay enough attention to them. And their whys don't drive their decision-making every day. And it's something Jeff and I have spent a lot of time on is making sure that our whys are alive and well in our house. We talk about them. We visit them frequently. And every time we look to make an excuse about something, we were just doing this on the walk the other day and Jeff started verbalizing why, here comes the excuse. And I said, stop, what's our why? You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. So having clarity on your whys will go a long way in that daily process needed to start putting the excuses at bay is having clarity around your whys and really understanding what they mean and why you want to achieve them. For our listeners, Jeff is Pam's husband. <laughs> okay, so out of the six techniques we just walked everybody through, what are the two or three that you struggle with the most? Well, I started off with mentioning I compare myself too much because I'm competitive. I need to um, get clarity more on my whys on several things in our business. And I think the third one I would say is continue to work on reframing what it means to make a mistake. I'm aware of that one, 
but I need to continue to work on that and embrace this whole idea of making mistakes. Now I'm going to throw the same question back at you. We've just talked about six techniques to slow the excuse train down. What are the two or three that you struggle with? So definitely the blame game. I struggle with eliminating the things that are outside of my control. So that's something I work on quite a bit. Believe it or not, accountability. Even though I have a lot of accountability in my life, I think the the one that I struggle with is the accountability to myself. So I, I think I've shared this with you, Dan. I'm actually trying to journal. I don't, I've never been a journaler, but I'm trying to stay more accountable to myself. I chose these goals. No one forced me to have these goals. And so I need to stay accountable as to why. I outline these goals, what the significance is, and start to realize the things that get in my own way when it comes to achieving these goals. So that's what I'm working on too. Pam, can you share an experiment right now that you're working with that's outside of your comfort zone that's requiring you to do something different as you're trying to become more self-aware and minimize the habit of excuses? I really want to become tuned into how I'm feeling day in and day out. And I want to do a better job at putting pen to paper on my emotions, tapping into that joy. The gratitude journal was a good start for me, but now it's time to evolve that and put a little bit more detail into the emotions that I feel in the course of each week so I can keep reflecting back on those to kind of keep myself on track with those goals. So I am writing down when I feel elated throughout the day. By nature, we're more wired to go towards the negative. So we're more wired to remember, oh, you know, it was it was a tough meeting or, oh, it was such a lot. I had back-to-back meetings and we don't think enough about the the feelings that bring us true joy throughout the day. So what I'm trying to do is every time... I feel that, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Oh my gosh, that felt great. Oh my gosh, can't believe that just happened. I am writing it down and I am proving to myself that there is a lot more joy through the course of the day. If I just slow down and realize it, then there is anything else. I absolutely have become victim sometimes to my own way of thinking. So my my use of the journal is to get my poor brain to say, you moron, there is so much good going on every day in your life. Don't don't ever focus on the stuff that's not going well. Pam, as we've talked today, I got this vision in my head. It's a scoreboard. And I'm winning, right? I'm winning. You're always winning, Pam. <laughs> you are always winning. I'm not competitive or anything. We're two weeks into January and there's a scoreboard. And on the scoreboard, It says excuses, and there's a number. And on the other side, it says did something different, broke a comfort zone, and there's a number. And I'm just curious right now, if you had a score right now, two weeks into 2021, what number would be under excuses and what number would be under broke a comfort zone? tried something new. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. 
If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode?